everyone to Polk and Gush. It is Friday, January 27th, 2023, and we are slip sliding away here in the Big Easy. Uh, the basketball team is struggling, but we are not. Mr. Andrew Polk, how do you do? How the last ten podcasts had say uh, we're ten and zero. Yes, yeah, we're we, we're riding quite a winning streak. We have a three hundred episode hot streak. <laughs> Something just, like, we were doing this podcast for a while. I know to, over two years. Kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, I've been just as boring the whole time, and I have. Uh, <laughs> Been more mindful of the words I've said for the last hundred or so episodes. But that's a good thing about the internet. Everything is gone forever, and no one remembers it. I think this podcast as a whole has gotten much better, and we as people. Yes, well, certainly we've gotten far better as human beings. Uh, you know, we're still New Orleans' leading conservative voice. <laughs> right? <laughs> The official podcast of those guys that had the uh, the tiki torches, <laughs> who young the Jews will not replace us. That's a, that's our crowd. Yeah, I think we can work a sponsor or two in there. Home Depot. Where do you get, where do you get those torch things yeah. and the little polos <laughs> with the gator on them? Lacoste. Lacrosse. Lacoste is the gator, and the uh, crawfish is the pearless. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, the, per, the crawfish is about to get its big uh, opportunity of Mardi Gras coming up. Everyone has to have the you know three toned, you know the, the three rectangles of uh, the various the Mardi Gras colors. That is the uh, official uniform of uh, Napoleon and Saint Charles. I am not a polo man. <laughs> I think it's because I had so many terrible jobs where I had to wear a polo. I was like, I'm never wearing that again. Never collar, cuff sleeves. <laughs> Do you have to wear a suit to work? No. <laughs> I wore a hat today that said who farted on it. They don't. No, I I I think it's like business casual, okay. you know. So I get some bird dogs and a Yeah. Just hide away. Just <laughs> get your uh, your little nap set up underneath there, like Costanza. Oh, I've yeah. got it. Yeah. We'll bring some pajamas in underneath here. <laughs> yeah. Um so Interesting week here in the city. Uh, I know there's a lot going on. This is kind of like the time where things really start picking up in New Orleans as we sort of crescendo uh, into Mardi Gras and then into Jazz Fest and then the Summer of Pain. Uh, but right now, a lot of stuff happening. You went and saw Louis C.K., I believe, Yeah, this week. I did. My yeah. old buddy. He was yeah. at the Sanger. Uh, it, was, it was an okay show. Yeah. He's old now, huh? He's 55. Uh, he's not that old. Um, the Sanger might be the worst place in the world for stand-up comedy. Just because the ceilings are so high? The ceilings are high. Pretty much every seat, like, more than seven or eight rows back is just too far back. It's just too hard to see them. Yeah. 
And the singer audience is unhinged. There's a lot of like Tulane kids, a lot of college kids in general. They're just getting up yeah. every five seconds. The rows are so the rows are like fifty chairs. Yeah. So you're just standing up every two minutes for some moron to go by yeah. and get like goobers, raisinets, <laughs> and an icy. I was blown away. I went and saw Mulaney, I guess. This is a while ago now. That's six months ago, something like that. And I was blown away how often people were standing up to go get stuff. I was like, this is like it, it's not a game. Yeah. You know, I was like, this guy is standing up here doing the show like you have to pee once i get it you know mm-hmm. but nobody had their phone on them so it's you know because they took the phone did, did louis take the phones they didn't take the phones they did something much stupider which is they had the uh the the patrolmen go up and down the aisles the entire show yeah like looking in people's laps for phone and there was one lady that had like the headset and you know it was like the the butthole surfer like voice like <laughs> <laughs> She sounded like she was a drive-through speaker in a movie, <laughs> and she was like, "Make sure you put your phones away. Everybody, take the phone and throw it away. No phones. <laughs> I got onions. I got apples." <laughs> <laughs> she was the Mister Okra of being a bitch, but like there was a big screen that says "No phone." We're like, "We know. Take the phones. I know. Take the phone." Instead, they've got a ninety-year-old lady walking around with a flashlight shining in people's faces during the show. It was just indicative of how New Orleans audiences don't respect, or maybe they just don't understand how a comedy show should function. Yeah, it was like it was like Louis was playing on a TV uh-huh. at a at a bus stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're really people just. And I don't know. You would know significantly more if that's a New Orleans thing or if that's a America thing uh, of the amount of times people get up and stuff like that. I do remember going to see Bill Burr uh, 2015. It was the night of the Warriors had a huge comeback against the Pelicans in game three of the playoffs. I don't know if you remember that complete yeah. meltdown uh, that year uh, in game three. And they had a, he had a scheduled show with like four comedians and obviously ran into game time. And so at some point, he just sort of snapped. He's like, I know what you're doing. I see that you have a phone in your hand, and you're, like, trying to pretend as if you're not recording this. I know you're recording. And the guy goes, I was just checking the score. He goes, fuck. He goes, that's a totally reasonable thing to do. He goes, I scheduled this show. I had no fucking idea that you were in the playoffs. He goes, I feel so goddamn bad right now. He was just like, it was like, this is a perfect reaction to it. He's like, he's like, I had no idea. He's like, that was, uh, he's like, that is the exact thing I want you doing on your phone right now. (laughs) He's like, check the score and then you're going to go to the game. He's like, I'm the one who scheduled the show during the playoffs because never in my life did I think about a New Orleans Pelicans playoff game when I scheduled this. (laughs) It was very funny. Um, But Louie was like, he was, I mean, you've probably seen him live a lot at this point, right? Yeah, I've seen him live, uh, I don't know, probably eight or nine times. Yeah. Um, this was the first time in a while. Uh, material is pretty good. I, uh, The show was like a six out of ten for me, but I think most of it was environmental. Gotcha. I'm going to watch. He's doing a, a live one at uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I'm going to watch that and see how that goes. Sure. But... Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to the singer again to see comedy. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's always like the most famous people in the world too who are not always the funniest, funny. yeah, you know. I know. I saw Seinfeld there and it was I appreciate it because it's Seinfeld, but it's like this isn't that funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he does the same stuff forever. Oh yeah, well that's why he like doesn't do any specials. Yeah. 
Because he's talking about like microwave ovens being crazy. Yeah, his big act that's new is he he refers to the uh, when you scroll your phone, you look like a gay French king. That's his big line. (laughs) I thought that was very funny, but it was like that's like the only material that's like updated in the last twenty years. He didn't call it a mobile phone, (laughs) camera phone. That's a one that I catch myself saying a lot. I'll be like, yeah, he took a camera phone photo. I'm like, oh, everybody's phone is a camera yeah, phone camera. now. No one's got the big Nikon around yeah. their uh, their neck. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, went I, out and partied after. Lovely. How was the French Quarter after? Um, Mad dark. Max. It was dark. There's no lights. There are no street lights anywhere. <laughs> There's no lights. There was some like f- like cool like we're in L.A. sort of bar next to with the Sanger. Yeah. I I I just like looked in there. I was like, ugh. <laughs> It looked like bar tonic with the lights on. I have no idea what it's called. And they have like a neon sign. And the guy, you know, he's wearing an apron like he's welding. He's making a blueberry mojito. (laughs) He's a mixologist. I think that's the... A rubber apron, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I went to uh, a pair of UNO basketball games last week. Uh, All-time good guy, Mark Schlesinger. Coach Schles, friend of the program. Uh, I get over there probably... 45 minutes before the game starts, I'm throwing the football with my three-year-old son, and Celeste just kind of pokes his head out of his office. He's like, hey, you guys can just play in here. Wow. <laughs> so my three-year-old is like taking all the basketballs off of his shelf and throwing stuff all over the place. I was like, are you sure that this is a good idea? And uh, it was just like an all-time, like, there's literally no other place on planet Earth and no other men's basketball coach in America that would allow this to occur right now, except for this guy who is the nicest person on the planet. That's awesome. Yeah. So and it was a fun game. Uh, and then who would they play? Oh, my God. <laughs> Iona. No, <laughs> <laughs> they lost the North. They lost, they lost the Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, is who they played, and I think that's a bank. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard of them. Apparently, they were Division Two the year before. Uh, with about eight minutes left in the first half, the referee came, stopped play, to look me dead in the face and say, "You have officially warned that I'm about to throw you out of this game." Whoa. I had a three-year-old sitting on my lap. <laughs> what were you saying? I didn't even curse. I've been way meaner to refs in the past. I've seen it. I didn't need curse. I didn't even yell at him. I was just, you know, politely pointing out the areas that he could be better at his job. I'm sure you were very polite about it. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Pardon me. Are you not seeing the grabbing that is occurring in the post? Uh, I really, I was as tame as I've ever been. I mean, this guy's know, an amateur. It was, it was ridiculous. And so then he sent over like a guy from the scores table like a UNO representative to come over and tell me. Was it the pirate? I have like a, fo- <laughs> <laughs> I have like a formal warning. I was like, I was like, really, man? I was like, I don't understand. Like, Y'all going to throw me out? I was like, what are we doing here? I was like, I have a, a three-year-old child on my lap. You're holding the child up as a I defense. I was like, that I, just means CPS is going to get involved. I, know. I was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't about? absolve you. That just means you're being a bad person in front of your child. <laughs> it would have been great if I had like six beers underneath my seat. You know, that would have been the, the best way to do that. Stone cold sober. Uh, exactly. That That's what I needed to do. Yeah. But so that was fun. And it is always a nice time to go over there. Uh, hopefully the privateers can turn it around a little bit. Did you behave after that? What no. happened? No, I mean I left at halftime because I was with a very small child anyway. But yeah, 
No, every time after that, I just kept calling the ref soft and just see what he was going to do. <laughs> I think I, were, I was just loudly talking to the people next to us, like strangers who I didn't know. I was like, God, how soft is this ref? I'm sure they're like, oh, please <laughs> <No>. don't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, can you believe this guy has this job and he's this soft? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. That's got to make the UNO student paper. Oh uh, yeah, I know that'll that'll the, the headline news in the drift the driftwood. I think that's what it's called. When you get uh, when you get thrown out, and you're gonna get thrown. Oh, out. Oh, I'll definitely get thrown out. They too. need to hang the Kush jersey from the <laughs> Raptors. Really, my only hope is that it is not when I'm with my children at the game. Yeah. Or they're older, which would be even better. If the kids are old enough like, to stay there. Stay. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they can continue the Kush <laughs> legacy of calling the referee soft. There's like 7,000 empty seats, though. So I, if even if they kicked me out of my courtside seats, I could have just walked back yeah. in and sat somewhere. No one would know that I wasn't there. Wearing like the plastic uh, glasses <laughs> yeah. with the fake mustache and nose. Mustache. That's critical. Uh, yeah, so it was it was a lovely weekend, uh, all told. And then I did go to the Pelicans game last night, mm. and it's still a good atmosphere in there, man. They're still getting good crowds. People were really juiced up last night, and uh, the team just cannot win a game. Uh, I believe that's seven straight losses now uh, for the Pelicans. They've they've lost uh, eleven of their last fourteen. They're basically on the same run now that they were on to start last season when it was like doomsday. Was it like two and twelve? They were two and twelve, and then they were three and sixteen to start last season. But yeah, now they're three and eleven in their last fourteen. They've got a myriad of problems. None of them quite feel real, just because Zion's still not playing and Ingram returned. Obviously, your first game back, you know, he didn't did play a full minutes allotment. Um, but they just it feels like they've got these like creases and opportunities to win games and they just are not able to close anything right now. Yeah, the Denver game really was very winnable at the end. Yeah. I mean, Jose Alvarado came in off the bench and gave that team what it needed, a spark. And yeah. he cut to the basket. He was laying it up over uh really tall guy everybody's very tall compared to <laughs> yes. jose but he's laying it up over seven footers yeah and he's getting to the basket he's scoring all the energies with him he didn't play at all hardly against the timberwolves mm -hmm. i'm i'm just questioning these rotate a lot of people are talking about Devonte graham versus kyra lewis it just seems like something is missing when you see Jose is a spark that this team needs and he's not being utilized the right way for the first half of the game. He's coming in late mm -hmm. and then he's providing a spark. And at that point, everybody's tired and they just can't get over the hump. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I see the discussion of the rotations and all that sort of stuff on a certain level. It's just like, they just don't have that many guys. No, and they Dyson just, Daniels uh, is injured now. Yeah, I saw him on crutches. Uh, you know, the, last night or what, I guess Wednesday night. Uh, not great, man. It just it, it's really they are not. They don't have a as deep as we have talked about that they are. There's just a certain amount that they cannot overcome against any team with a pulse, and that's a big problem. Like 
a lot of teams have a pulse. Yeah. And especially like if you go on the road and lose to Orlando, like that's one of the few road games you have to be able to win, uh, even when your guys are hurt. They've just been really bad, man. And they're really bad for like very specific stretches where it's not like they'll play bad usually for 48 minutes mm-hmm. and just get beat like a drum. Though that has happened. It's more like the third quarter on Wednesday just killed them. Was there was it? a 15-0 run yeah. by the Timberwolves at one point. Yeah, and they just died. No timeouts, no changes, no anything. Yeah, I mean, and that's the question, right? Is like, is this a Willie Green problem? Is this a talent deficiency? Is this a team in need of a trade or a shakeup of the rotate? Like, I don't know how you fix it until either Ingram comes back into form, which we don't really know that's going to happen because he looks pretty bad in his first game back. That's not to say he'll continue to look bad, but I did not think he was impressive at all uh, last night. And then, or do you just have to kind of just get through this and think that this is just growing pains? You know, like, hey, you're going to have to go through a, a crappy stretch of basketball. But there's a lot to lose in that span. Well, the Pelicans' depth relies very heavily on Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram being healthy and playing well. Yes. Those players that are very good, very deep bench players are not solo stars for a reason. They need these star guys out there to make this a deep team. They just look tired. They do look tired. They look lifeless. They look tired. They look like they need a break. Yeah. I mean, they're getting one right now. uh, One, two, three days. Yeah. Uh, Saturday they play the Wizards here, mm-hmm. I believe. That's you gotta win that game. Brandon Ingram, to go back to him, I he looked like a guy that is coming off of the greatest toe injury <laughs> in the history of the world. The worst bruise anyone has ever experienced. What is the greatest toe injury of all time? It's Brandon Ingram, and then it's you remember that story about the guy that had a tumor in his toe and his dog <laughs> ate his toe while he was passed out drunk and like ate the tumor? Those are the two worst toe injuries and in the, the history of the world. And when people, you know, like uh, had trench foot in World War One, <laughs> they would chop their own toes off. <laughs> and so it didn't That's spread. third. That would be third. So first Ingram, second the tumor that's eaten by the dog, third the World War One trench foot. And I haven't seen the updated injury. Brandon Ingram uh, got hit in the face and bit his lip. So lip contusion. Uh, <laughs> he should wear one of those masks or, you know, like a big astronaut helmet. Yeah. <laughs> That's game. Uh, it's, they, they did feel like they got some life by the arena, both of the last two losses. Uh Obviously, Alvarado just kind of lit that place on fire in the fourth quarter the other night. And if not for a really nice shot by the MVP, back-to-back MVP, you probably have a pretty good chance to win that game against Denver. Minnesota, Willie Green gets thrown out of the game uh, last night after arguing a call in a way that I've never seen him that demonstrative. To be fair, it was a bad call. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple bad calls. uh, And I think that was more frustrating. That almost felt like a baseball manager, the way they do that, where it's like an order to sort of stand up for your player. You kind of feel like you have to go off of the ref. The problem being there, though, that like in baseball, there's really no penalty for it. Right. In basketball, you're giving away. You know, Alvarado basically got called for a technical for dribbling the ball. ball, Yeah. And and Willie Green freaked out, and so that was three free, three free free throws, and it really kind of 
buried them, you know? That was a build-up tech, too. It like was. I think it was the play, maybe the play before, yeah. uh, in that time range, Jose was chirping at the ref, and they were having a as heated as you can discussion with yeah. a referee without them being little babies. They are, man. The officiating sucks. I mean, it's always sucked. It's always going to suck. I think like blaming that for why you're losing is is childish. Um, but I, I think some frustration very much boiled over last night, and they, it was good to see. And and the crowd, I think, fed off of it. I yeah, it, it got very loud in there, and then the Pelicans cut it to I think as little as four. Um, but look, they need CJ McCollum to play at a level that I don't know if he's capable of playing and that that is really becoming apparent that like if you paid this guy $35 million and you're asking him to do a ton. And I just don't know if he's that guy. And I think he can be great in the role alongside Zion and Ingram. And like, I think like that piece is fine, but when you're paying a guy this much money, he's the leader of the team you have to be able to carry a team to some wins when everybody else is out, and he just doesn't feel like he has that ability right now. Well, I think part of being a leader of a team is also knowing your place and knowing who has the hot hand and knowing who needs to take that final shot. CJ has been the opposite of clutch this season. Yeah, I mean, that shot, you can talk about Billy being kind of open i'm going to say quote unquote open under the basket i think he would have gotten fouled or i think aaron gordon would have gotten that ball before billy did yeah but cj does not need to take that shot he was fucking O of eight in that game from three you didn't need a three to score yep and the hot hand was jose had been driving it to the basket all night that is i mean that's I don't know if CJ says, give me the ball, I'm taking the shot. But mm-hmm. CJ got the ball, and he took the shot. Yeah. And it was not the right decision. No. CJ has been unclutch. That, he's been very bad. I mean, in those big moments, that's two losses you can hang. You know, and there's a lot of game and a lot of possessions, et cetera. Right. But the NBA is often boils down to the last two minutes. And what are you going to do in the last two minutes or minute of the game? And Anthony Davis got trashed in this town for a long time for not being that guy who you could go to in the last minute of a game because they didn't have one. And it cost them often. And I don't think C.J. McCollum has to be that guy night in and night out, but right now he does. And when the ball gets to you and you have a shot to win a game, you got to make some of them. I'm yeah. not saying you got to make all of them. You got to make some of them. And it is, uh, it, it's very, And he missed some free throws last night down the stretch, yeah. too, which definitely hurt. It just doesn't feel like he's that dude, and I I think that's fair. Uh, I don't I don't think he has to be that dude for this team to get to where they need to go ultimately in the postseason. But you need if you you cannot pay a guy max money and him not perform and be able to carry you to at least some wins, man. Like that, he is a very real piece of a tripod, like. That guy's got to, you got to be able to win when the other two guys aren't playing. In the same way, I'd say the same thing about Ingram if McCollum and Zion were out, and the same thing about Zion if McCollum and Ingram were out. You cannot just allow the injuries to completely derail you. 3 and 11 over 14 games is trash. 
That is really bad. And With they, some really jarring losses in there, too. bad losses Orlando, Miami, oh. at least one of those Miami games. Yeah, I mean, in both Miami games, you should have been able to play better than they did. Like, the, the, one, in, the one in Miami, they basically felt like they gave that away. Um, Denver but, felt like it was given away. You know, the Pelicans, sure. I, I think the Pelicans were favored. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot. I mean, the fans are doing everything they can. That yeah. place was rocking. People were happy. It seemed like there was a lot of excitement for Brandon Ingram coming back that night. Yeah. So then when he actually did come back, it was amplified even from the Denver game. Mm-hmm. People expected to win last night. They did. And especially when they took the lead going into the half, uh, there was definitely a lot of optimism. And then they just drained it out. And it, it felt... I mean, at one point, I turned to the guys who I was sitting with last night in the middle of the third quarter. I was like, this feels like when the Saints are getting their ass kicked. I was like, people look mad, you know? I was like, they don't just like, normally, you know, go to Pelicans game, whatever. Everyone's just kind of talking to each other, and, you know, no one's all that invested. People looked, like, despondent, sad, mad at last night's game. I was like, I think this is starting to kind of catch up. And I think you're you're starting to see that portion of the Pelicans fan base that was like, no, everybody's untouchable. You got to keep this group together. We love everyone. This is a family. This is what I think you're starting to wake up to the reality that like this team probably has to make a move. Uh, They're not as deep as you thought they were. They're not really in contention for the one seed. And now when you look at the standings, holy crap, man, like you can very much see a scenario in which they're right back into the play in. If Zion doesn't come back for another month, which he might, I mean, they're saying more images in two weeks, but like, if Zion's not back and Ingram's not playing back-to-backs or he's limited in minutes, like the Clippers are a half game behind them that would put them at five. Then six is Dallas. They're one game back. And then you've got, you know, a couple teams you may have heard of, Phoenix and Golden State, who are pretty decent in the 7-8. So it's like right there, if those teams pass you, all of whom are probably better than you right now and probably have more talent on their team overall, then you're in the second portion of the play and and that's a i mean that's a very realistic scenario uh that can unfold if things continue anywhere near what they're at right now this has been a bizarro version of last season in some ways like it started off super hot and now it feels like they're going to be fighting to get into the to the play in yeah i mean as far as expectations before the season go went you know it's like well maybe maybe the pelicans will have a good play in position but yeah. then you saw how good they were, and you want to avoid that at all costs. And you just keep hearing, you know, the Pelicans' Twitter and everything is just positivity. It's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> like, everything's fine. No need to panic. They've been saying, no need to panic. Everything's fine. Yeah. Ten losses in a row? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like in the last 14 games, every time they lose, like, ah, it's not, it really doesn't matter. Like, at some point, it matters. Yeah. I don't know how long you can do this for, where you just keep losing. And then it was like, well, you lost a good, to a good team on the road. You lost to a good team at home. You lost to a bad team on the road. Now you're like, Minnesota's not a good team. We can't lose to them at home. It's like, this is all starting to get to a point where, like, if you don't go beat the Wizards uh, the next game, I think some real soul searching needs to be done and probably a move needs to be made. And are we taught, like, Zion I, was named an all star starter tonight? I think that's, you know, congratulations to him. Like, is he better than we thought? Like, he he clearly propped up this team into being something that, the, I mean, they were the one seed yeah. when he was playing. And now they cannot win a game. 
And it's like it, the only huge difference as far as rotation goes is Zion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Zion is, is better than we expected. He elevates his uh, teammates mm-hmm. to number one, number two. It wasn't that long ago. No, it was three weeks ago. <laughs> it was ago. one injured toe ago. Yeah. <laughs> like they were losing to Philadelphia in the second half, and he got hurt. It was the night of the Cotton Bowls, so whatever that was, January second mm-hmm. so that's yeah three and a half weeks ago and then they haven't done anything since then <laughs> i mean they've done nothing since then there has been he did get reevaluated, and great news they said on track <laughs> wasn't that fun to see everybody being like hey guys great news about zion his uh fucking ankle didn't get gangrene or whatever <laughs> They were like, isn't this great? Everything's fine. Another four weeks. Another two weeks. It's like, yeah, that is great, but I kind of expected. I know. You sort of hope that announcement is followed with, uh, he'll be returning to the team by exit. It's like, no, we're going to take another set of images in two weeks. Aren't we doing great? It's like, "Eh, no, no, I don't think so. What's the the great thing? Oh, he didn't uh, pass away from his injury? (laughs) What is the... I'm I'm glad that it's going normally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- who knows when he'll be back? Every time we've ever talked about Zion and injury, it always lasts significantly longer than it's supposed to. Uh, I do think this one is far less serious than the others. Uh, but yeah, man, and it's good that he's there. He's still showing up for everything. You don't feel like there's any tension no. around that whatsoever. So that's a huge improvement. Uh, and the fact that Ingram is back will give us a better idea of like, okay, like how valuable is Zion versus Ingram over the next, you know, week or two. And I do think that'll actually help Ingram to come back without Zion there. I think it'll allow him to sort of ingratiate himself into the rotation a little bit easier. Uh but you're gonna need Zion. I mean this team needs Zion. That guy is a fucking badass man i don't know he's so much better than i remembered him being yeah because the team was so bad the last time he was healthy i was like he got a lot of points but he kind of you know whatever that guy's just awesome well it's because he's showing his human side out there you know when we saw zion playing the first time he was scoring a lot of points and just kind of smiling and golly gee g shucks i'm great now he's realized he's a beast yeah and he's playing like it he's Mm -hmm. showing attitude He's showing swagger. Swagger. And he's fucking putting on a show. Yeah, he's awesome, man. I uh, I very much miss Zion. Uh, I'm excited for, you know, whenever he's able to get back. I hope he's able to play in the All-Star game. I would think that's probably unlikely given uh, the, the scenario that we're in. But you never know. Uh, transitioning to the other team that we have to talk about. Let's take a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back right here. Polk and Kush. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. 
take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. What games are you looking forward to winning lots of money on? I've been betting a lot of Southland Conference games, but that doesn't really help us with the NFL playoffs. I think the NFL playoffs, both those championship games, are going to be delightful to bet on. I'm betting the farm against Eli Apple. Yeah? I think he's going to get scorched just like he did in the Super Bowl. That seems reasonable. I think we can do that. Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to say over two and a half touchdowns. It just always feels good to bet on uh, on Patrick Mahomes. It's, like, it's just if you feel comfortable watching it. It's a fun, easy bet. A lot of people don't like Kansas City. I just like football. I don't care. I don't care that he sounds like <laughs> Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I don't care that he's in all those commercials Baker Mayfield used to be in. I just like football. Sure. I'm going to be watching all the games. Go football. <laughs> Yay, football. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code Polk and Cush. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code Polk and Cush. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. That's a sponsor. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints. That's how you, eh, you know. And eh, the Saints. And eh, the Saints. Uh, we won't spend long on this because we've talked about it before. It appears Sean Payton has no home. He's unhoused. He's unhoused. He's unemployed. Uh, the reporting that's coming out now from Ian Rappaport as well as others basically says like this round of coaching does not have a home for Sean Payton. And whether that's because someone doesn't want to pay him $20 million or whether that's because they think they can find a better coach, I'm not really sure. Uh, but it does leave the Saints. I think they were sort of banking on getting a draft pick or two out of Payton. And instead now they're... Uh, going to get nothing out of him. He's not going to coach for them, and he's not going to net any sort of assets for him. So kind of a lose-lose scenario there for the Saints. And worse for America, he's going to go back to bro the broadcast booth. <laughs> yeah, is that money guaranteed? I don't know. Maybe they could just do a sequel to the Adam Sandler movie, and he can be himself. What else is he doing right now? <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing. This is going to mean that Dennis Allen... Remains the head coach, of course. He's going to coach this team into the ground. Mm -hmm. They're going to lose every single game. Mm -hmm. And they're going to draft that guy that lost to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would be incredible. And then Sean Payton comes back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd walk right <laughs> through the door, guns blazing, wearing one of those dusters. You yeah, know? he would just yeah. walk in. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> he dressed like Keanu in the Matrix, man. Just <laughs> stuff right through a fog machine. Uh, yeah, he would they'd be the happiest guy in the world. I do hope that's what they're trying to do. I don't think they are. You can kind of see the message has totally changed from the Saints media of uh, how can the Saints stay competitive rather than this time last year was like, how can the Saints compete for the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if, if, if your best case scenario is just like glide, like hanging around enough to be in contention, to basically be like what the Dolphins were this year, is what is the point? Yeah. Like there's just no point in that. So go ahead and bottom out. I want to trade everybody, but... It does not help that Sean Payton is not going anywhere. That seems like it's that would have been at least something of value coming your way. I think it was 
crazy overrated. Uh, at one point, people were talking about multiple first-round picks. When you add up Sean Payton's resume compared to the rest of the NFL coaches, he's a top 10 coach. He's not a top five coach. He's definitely not a top. T- I, Jeff Duncan said you have to pay elite coaches like Bill Belichick and Sean Payton $20 million. I was like, Sean Payton is not an elite coach. His resume, nothing about his resume is elite. One Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. Three NFC. Three NFC Championship game yeah. appearances. Lost two of them. And, like, you know, you got it's, screwed it's, over on a call, but, like, that's not that good. It's more indicative of how good Drew Brees is. Yeah. And they that, might be a very good combination. That doesn't mean he's going to work very well with others. In fact, it seems like he doesn't work very well with others since he ran away at the second sign of adversity with the <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and ran away from $12 million over they're paying him now, and now he's looking for 20 But it's also like, would you take him over Kyle Shanahan? I mean, is no. this... It, it, it reminds me of uh, Stan Van Gundy and the Pelicans. Yeah. Because you said trade everybody. I don't know if I agree with that because I think back to Josh Hart saying, I never, I, I wanted to quit playing basketball yeah. because I was so uninspired yeah. playing for Stan Van Gundy. Dennis Allen is a wet blanket. He's a fig Newton. He's a clear gummy worm. He's a lemon Skittle. This guy has no zest whatsoever. <laughs> this man is is an uncoated milk dud. He yeah. is all dud. Yeah, it's impossible. Do the guys want to play for him? Like, there's no spirit on the team. There's no, there's no umph. Yeah, no one seems to give a shit. Is that solely because of Dennis Allen? I think it might be. It He's an help. uninspiring man. Yeah, and you've got defensive leaders who will at least show up week to week and, and carry you. And they, they played better on defense the second half of the season. And I think that allows them to bring Dennis Allen back without being completely embarrassing, but it should be embarrassing. Like they should be embarrassed. They brought him back The The standard is higher than that for this franchise. There's is not the Pelicans like where you can lose and lose and lose and keep bringing people back. And you can sort of explain it away. The saints have a much higher standard and they're not meeting it and they're not coming close to meeting it. And I do find it, uh, just disappointing that this is the situation they're in, and especially when you gave up your first-round pick, and now you're going to have to watch the draft going like, this team has a 1,000 holes, and you that pick would be so helpful, and or a pick for Sean Payton would be so helpful, mm-hmm. and they're not going to have any of them. Uh, it, it does feel like they're just going to be, you know, the talent is going to further erode around them, and instead of doing something bold, instead of doing something... Uh, interesting. They're instead just going to do nothing about it. And that is a slap in the face to the people who buy tickets, the people who, you know, week to week show up, watch this team care, are, you know, emotionally invested in this team. And, uh, and I, I just think it's going to look a lot different next year than it has in a long time around here. Well, it's not fun to watch similar bad teams get better. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be sitting on the sideline seeing similar teams in similar crappy situations bettering themselves. And the New Orleans Saints are not appearing to have learned anything from this season. They're not making any changes, and there's not going to be any changes. It's going to be worse for everybody, and that's not fun to watch. Pretty uplifting stuff, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Just rays of sunshine out here talking about the Saints. But, you know, your car will get broken into (laughs) 
they did under they had the reporter from WDSU who was like, I was outside in all the parking lots during the Pelicans game and no one was broken into because there was a cop at every lot. I'm like, no. well, that doesn't seem sustainable because there's like nine cops working at any time in the whole city. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I don't know how that's going to work going forward. But that is, you know, that's a win. We'll call that a win. The Pelicans can't win a game. The Saints are doing everything wrong, but at least nobody's car that this reporter saw got broken into during the hours of the basketball at game. The four, at the parking lot next to walk-ons <laughs> was secure <laughs> because Paul Blart was there. <laughs> uh, on that note, we will talk a little bit more about our city and a local breakdown. It is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and a tiny little crawdaddy. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> Our uh, mayor, Latoya Cantrell, went on Face the Nation Goodness. Uh, last Sunday because the, the citizens of New Orleans were used to being furious at the television on Sundays. Uh, the Saints are not playing anymore, <laughs> so she wanted to carry on the tradition of pissing off everyone in the city mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. Congratulations. She's on there. She's saying crime is because of COVID. The first word out of her mouth, like, well, you have the worst murder rate in the country. What's the problem? She goes, well, COVID. And I was like, uh, that's not a good start. <laughs> yeah, COVID didn't shoot my dad. <laughs> also affected literally everyone yeah like that is the worst possible reason like, why are you the worst in the country ah covid it's like ah, okay that's a terrible reason i'm uh, old enough to remember when everyone in the city was up the mayor's ass talking about what a great job she was doing by shutting down the only industry in the city yep putting everything under lock and key so then you had to do everything in secret Mm -hmm. So the city lost thousands of employees, thousands of jobs, tons of restaurants, and everybody was eating it up. She's really keeping us safe. Is she keeping us safe now? When you look back at that, do you think the decision she was making then was for personal safety of the citizens? I at least understood the conflict. And again, I think you and I talked about it a lot at that time. We disagreed with a lot of the policies, but like... I understood the conflict that she was facing on a day-to-day basis, especially New Orleans got hammered early on in the in you know in the pandemic. We're one of the the places that got uh, just the most deaths, I think, per capita in America the first few weeks, uh, and of, of COVID. So it's like the protectionist side of that. I understood that logic, and I understood the push and pull since Hurricane Ida. There is no push and pull. It is literally just horrible decision after horrible decision that makes every single person's life worse in the city. There is no logic pretzel. There's no challenge that's coming on. It's just like, it's not, oh, should I keep this shut down to keep the, I think it might be safer if we keep this shut down versus do we open it up and try to get more money, whatever it might be. That is like a real conflict. Now it's like, should we pick up the trash? How about that light on uh, Ferret and Napoleon? Do you think we should fix it? Did she? It's did like, she well, these are like, yes, do it. Do, 
do something. Should we ha- should we have police officers not allow people to break into a thousand cars during a Saints game with a sugar bowl? It's like, yeah, that seems pretty freaking obvious. Like these these are in- impossibly uh, simple problems, and she has just hopeless. And the and the explanation for it that to start with COVID was like such a galaxy brained way to go uh, on that answer. Sorry to step on you on that one. She's. Uh... I mean, it's just baffling some of these decisions. Like, do you know the name of this show? <laughs> the, it's in the name. You're you have to face the name. It's not discuss with the nation. It's not get complimented by the name. You're facing. And they were asking her real questions. She was just bulldozing over them. Yeah, blaming the police officers, blaming the NOPD, mm-hmm. ducking, bobbing, weaving. It was it was magical. It was mystical. It was fun to see. Yeah. I I learned a long time ago just to accept blame for everything, mm-hmm. even stuff that I didn't do. It's just easier. It is always the fastest path to moving forward. Whoever's mad at you, yeah, I did it. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Whoops. I, there's, I would rather just be wrong and move on than have any sense of dignity or pride. <laughs> Just this a, is a human, a human <laughs> welcome mat. That is, <laughs> but your life is so less stressful in doing that. And she, Latoya has the opposite approach. To Donald that. Trump, man, she's got a lot of Donald Trump in her. Dealing with COVID nineteen violence, everyone has guns. The lack of ability to resolve a conflict without reaching for or pulling a gun. Also, as it relates to accountability, low lining offenses where don't get bail or they're not restrained. We're seeing how these crimes escalate. Is she able to do anything about any of that stuff? No. This is... That's the point. Yeah. The, she's blaming conflict resolution. Was the con, Were people's conflict resolution skills better three years ago? Like, has that changed dramatically in the last... <laughs> like, I, just, I mean... I agree COVID has long-lasting effects of the pandemic or whatever. It ain't that much different. And it's not that any it's, it's not that much different from every other city in the country. Why is yours so much worse? I think uh wasn't crime much lower during COVID because no one was going anywhere. Yeah. People were home. There was less home burglaries, I would presume. There were no sporting events, so there were no windows getting smashed. Yeah. No, it was definitely... I mean, there's a lot less going on, therefore there was less crime. But also, similarly, I think I think that's when the, the, the big bleed of the police department kind of started in earnest, too. Everyone needs to be held accountable, and that's how we're focusing on it. Holistic approach in the city of New Orleans... Definitely seeing a decline moving in the right direction. No. Oh, we're definitely seeing a decline. <laughs> That's just such a crap argument. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it's it's just completely superfluous. Words. It is literally just like that. Is It says nothing. And you know what? Any other mayor would do the exact same thing in that circumstance. That's what they would say. So that's not specific to her. The pro- her problem is that everything that she's done for the last two years has gotten her to the point where those words are so we know they will not re- like bring anything about. Everything is worse. Everything is worse. Everything is worse. And it's like you cannot. How on earth is the light by Baptist Hospital been out for a <laughs> fucking month? 
you you can't get one person over there to fix a street light. It's by a hospital. It's an important intersection. It's where all the babies are born. This is crazy that this has been out this long. The one at Washington Magazine was out. I think some of the ones on Poetry were out for more than a year. Yeah. How is that? Like that simple meat and potatoes stuff that you just have your administration is so uh, backed up with bullshit that you cannot get anything fixed. And that's like the stuff she never addresses. Instead, it's just this word salad coming out of like, yeah, we need accountability and conflict resolution and the judges and bail. It's like that has nothing to do like go go fix one problem. Let's start with the one problem. You know, the snowball, Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. (laughs) That's who pay your smallest bill first. And then eventually you'll get to pay everything off. Start with let's fix one thing and then let's get so excited about fixing the one thing. Let's start with that. The, nobody at the Pelicans gang got broken into. Day one, that's what we did. Check, check mark. Now what? Now let's go find something <laughs> else to fix. The light that I have to cross every single day in front of Napoleon. Let's do that one next. If I see another blinking light in there tomorrow, I'm gonna <laughs> throw something <laughs> through the windshield. It's two street lights are a different story. Like with some potholes, you see people put like quick read in them yeah. or they put like a cone or something. It helps a little bit. People yeah. can do that. People can clean out the gutters. Uh-huh. People, dr- the solution for trash for the longest time was just take your trash to the dump yourself. <laughs> just drive the, go to the tire pile in New Orleans. <laughs> there is nothing any of us can do about a street light. Nothing. There's we can't pry open the thing and put in a like a G battery. <laughs> I just like I find it impossible to believe that it's not easy to fix. I've never been anywhere else where like every like twenty percent of the stoplights just don't work. I'm I I really can't think. I lived in Los Angeles for four years. I can't think of a single time after anything an earthquake. Uh, you know, Ellen's house burning down <laughs> in a mudslide, the two natural disasters in my time there of of infrastructure just being down like that forever. Go drive in any other parish in the area. Yeah, you can go to Farmerville, Louisiana <laughs> that gets hit by a tornado every nine days and the streetlights are working. Yeah. There's only two, but yeah. they're working. I like Marrero's getting blasted by a tornado every 15 minutes. I, I think all the streetlights work. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. Well, she did have a 65% uh, victory in no. her second election. Yes. That was something she said on the show, too, oh. leaving out that 20% of eligible voters voted and that she was running against... Essentially no one. The stop sign Chick-fil-A guy. <laughs> Still, really regret not giving giving money to that campaign. <laughs> I mean, who who was? Well, I don't even know his name. Noonie Mayor. I, I I literally do not know one person who ran against her. I think Mary Carey was in there. <laughs> Stormy uh, Daniels. <laughs> Webster. He ran. <laughs> Webster and Gary Coleman. Yeah, man. I you know this is this is where we're at now. It's just. Every time she talks, though, it makes it worse. The New York Times did a big editorial. Uh, Charles Blow wrote it. And it, it, it's just, it's always this conversation about her. I'm like, let's not make it about her. Do it on the state of the city. It's not, I, I am 
tired of her. She's an easy punching bag for us because she represents everything that's wrong and she won't admit that it's wrong, which actually represents it even further. But it's like, can we just get into how many things are screwed up and how much of those items that are screwed up are so easy to fix? Some of them are not easy to fix. Education is not easy to fix. Crime in general, not easy to fix. No. But you can do a lot about a lot of little things. Street lights are easy to fix. Traffic lights are easy to fix. Trash pickup is easy to fix. And we just don't do any of it. And that it makes me sad. Well, there's one escape, and that is, of course, the demon rum. Ah, yes. You like to imbibe? Uh Uh-huh. You like to get behind the wheel after you've had a few? Why not? This is the city for it. (laughs) New Orleans is enforcing no DUIs. Couldn't have told I was driving last night at 1 o'clock in the morning as everyone is just swerving into me. This is uh, this is on NOLA.com, but it's just a story about DWI enforcement plummeting in New Orleans despite a rise in impaired driving deaths. The numbers are somewhere along the lines of there were 60, it's like 69 DWI arrests last year. The whole year? And there were 200 plus murders. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers came out to you're four times more likely to get murdered than you are to get arrested for drunk driving. Remember that you said the checkpoints? They were like, you used to be really serious about you. I guess it's because they know they can't get them through the system. Well, the yeah, there were always, I in my uh, mid-20s, early 30s, I spent every weekend on like Frenchman Street and, and in the Marini and Bywater and every weekend there was a checkpoint yeah. uh, right next to Phoenix. I'd be trying to get into Phoenix. Yeah. I have to blow by this checkpoint. <laughs> I'm, I've got a ball gag in my mouth so I can't even blow if I wanted to. <laughs> this is absurd. 69 DUI? Yeah. Why drive They're all sober? school bus drivers. Yeah, why would we even drive sober anymore? This is why Uber is so expensive here. Nobody <laughs> needs it. That is insane. Sixteen. What? And you see, I mean, you see it. Everyone's hammered. Everyone's hammered. Or at least I hope they are. Yeah, the way that, they're driving. Yeah, I know. It's like it, texting or hammered is always the game. As the, you know, they're swerving, you know, in the lane, like at a red light, and they're still somehow swerving. You're like, how is this possible? In 2009, statewide, there were 32,000 drunk drivers arrested. Um, the Yeah, 69 is the total number uh, for 2022 uh, for NOPD's DWI enforcement. That's, I mean. That is the equivalent to the number that they picked up just during the month leading up to Mardi Gras in 2019. <laughs> And, you know, this touches everybody's lives. I, I know people that have been in hit and runs. I personally have been in a hit and run. Yeah. Don't worry, I got away. Yeah. <laughs> but I know, pe- <laughs> I know people that have, like, come outside and their car's been smashed. Yeah. And there's stories on Nextdoor and stories on Reddit and all these places of drunk drivers hitting them and the cops show up and they can't, they don't even arrest the guy. Yeah. There's so much stuff that goes along with it, so much red tape and so much shit you have to do i mean it it's like these technicalities and there's just not enough people on the force so they let drunk drivers go they might crash a car but it's probably stolen anyway so who cares (laughs) 
long as the as long as the car. So if the car you're driving drunk is stolen, maybe you have a problem. Maybe, maybe, but that's probably even a smaller sentence. That's oh my god. That's sixty nine people drive drunk in New Orleans any given minute of any given day between three and four a.m. I know sixty nine people <laughs> with DWIs. <laughs> It, I used to be like a very serious thing here. They were getting a lot of people because yeah. everyone is drunk all of the time. Yeah, what is Mardi Gras going to be like on the highways? I mean, there have been accidents at Mardi Gras very recently. Yeah, people getting hit. Yeah, it's going to be you know, it's just it's it's another thing to add to the list to look over your shoulder for. Yeah, we don't have enough of those. Oh Lord! But at least you know, at least I don't have to call an Uber anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if you see a minivan a rocking, getting uh, the Phil Collins blaring at two thirty in the morning, you'll know, you'll know that I'm pretty happy to be driving the New Orleans Parish. I think we could do like a Polk and Cush uh, like lift service just for our fans. <laughs> we'll drive around. Yeah. I'm sober. You're sober at a certain time of night. Yeah, we can just go around and pick people up and make money during Mardi Gras. Yeah, let's do it. I don't have a Kia. We'll be fine. <laughs> You have uh, the magic school bus out front. You can fit 20 people in it. You can watch any of the four Toy Stories and the Goofy movie. Yeah, and we'll... Up to you. We'll go to Rick's and pick up your Bill Brasky friends. <laughs> take him to Waffle House. Perfect. I think we've got it all figured out. We'll take him to the Waffle House over here by Ground Patty. It's the best restaurant in the neighborhood now. <laughs> the, uh the only other thing that uh, traffic-wise was uh, in Old Battery, the biggest traffic concern is not that people are going to hit you drunk, even though you know it will. They all, the the train that goes through Battery Road, uh, apparently someone tried to beat it today and got hit, and so everything was completely backed up for miles as they had, like put the emergency stop on. And I I I don't know if the person's dead, but it seems like if you get hit by a train, you'll probably be dead. If that is, if they aren't dead, that'll be the seventieth DWI arrest. <laughs> What's your take on going when you see the train coming down? Have you ever swerved around the gates to get out? No, I I see it all the time. If I'm in my car, I'm going to something I don't want to do, so I don't mind if I'm late. <laughs> I don't care if I'm 30 minutes late for work. And what am I going to do when I get home? Watch Wheel of Fortune? I don't give a shit. Yeah, you don't ever have screaming children in the back of your car. No. <laughs> I'm Kramer, baby. I'm living life every day. <laughs> I want to hit a train. Well, I highly recommend people stop trying to beat the train because I, I think you're going to lose that race most of the time. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone. No. Oh, well. It's time for your favorite segment. Oh, everybody, it's back. The worst. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumb. The worst. You know, I think uh, we are the podcasting equivalent of the red and yellow Eminem. Would you say so? <laughs> The M&Ms are in the news all the time now. There's a gay one. There's a trans one. There's a feral one. There's a furry <laughs> one. M&Ms is sick of your shit. They it, it, politically charged M&Ms. Every time I turn on Tucker Carlson, which is never, <laughs> he's, 
he's always got like the sexy green M&M up there and he's mad that he's either mad that the green M&M is too sexy or not sexy enough. <laughs> yeah, then no matter what, the M&M is always in trouble. This is a man who uh, lives or dies by M&M shoes. Yeah. Could you imagine having $100 million in your job is... Let's get mad about M&M's today. I could imagine that. I dream about it nightly. <laughs> M&M said, look, we're sick of this. They have pulled their spokes candies amid right-wing outrage. <sighs> and the candy maker Mars that is replacing its M&M spoke can- spokes candies with actress Maya Rudolph after facing <laughs> right-wing criticism. Uh, th- there's going to be a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, I suppose with her instead of the M&M's, uh, our boy Tucker Carlson claimed that the makeovers the mascots got last year, including new shoes and personalities, were an example of a liberal agenda gone too far. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> a liberal agenda. That's the liberal agenda gone too far. M&M's. Uh, the lady, the green lady m M&M, the hot one. She can get it. She is no longer <laughs> wearing uh, high heels. She's now wearing flat shoes like an ugly bitch. <laughs> Which is, of course. When did she get so basic? And we've Those seen. stilettos. I mean, I couldn't really focus on the M&M's. <laughs> we've we've seen the liberal agenda affect the honey smacks frog, the Dracula, <laughs> the cookie crisp burglar, the Cheerio honey bee. You can't call it a honey bee anymore because honey is a misogynistic term. When are these woke liberal p words gonna quit messing with my? American cereal. <laughs> How did anyone notice they changed the footwear on the M&M? Well, when you're whacking off to it, <laughs> maybe you notice these subtle changes. Uh, that is, that's a really sad state of affairs we got going on as a country. That that is any that anyone sat in a boardroom that day and was like, all right. Should we change your footwear? <laughs> what do we do? The green M&M is getting a little out of out of hand. <laughs> we got to change it. And then have another meeting however many months later. Be like, we got to change it back. Like, we're, we're politically charged M&Ms. We're the most basic-ass candy. We're candy that's existed for 100 years. And every single person eats. Why would anyone give a shit about this? I, uh, I haven't been keeping up with the M&M saga too closely. But apparently there is an M&M... Uh, that is orange, that has anxiety. <laughs> Shouldn't all the M&Ms have anxiety since their purpose is to be eaten? It's because everyone makes the joke to him all day, orange, you're glad I didn't eat you yet. <laughs> now, the flip side of this is obviously yes, M&Ms knows what they're doing. They know that morons like us are going to talk about it, and this is going to be a Super Bowl commercial with Maya Rudolph. Sure, We're saying the word M&Ms a lot. I'm happy with that. My Rudolph was in the last funny movie ever made, Bridesmaids. Yep. That was the last one. That was it. That was the death knell <laughs> of, of funny. She can do whatever she wants to. I don't eat M&M's either way. <laughs> well, they lost you then. They lost you. 
I just hope that if they if they had kept the stilettos on, I bet you'd be eating those green M and I'd, I'd be doing a lot more than that. <laughs> I just pray to God that the Twizzler mascot remains straight <laughs> and American. <laughs> we'll put a boot in your ass. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. It was a wonderful time. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please like, rate, subscribe, especially on Spotify. Drop those five stars for us. And, of course, support DraftKings promo code Polk and Kush. Crescent Cannot promo code Kush. And please uh, wait for us. We'll be back for you next week right here on Polk and Kush. See ya.